0: Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you all this morning. I have a question for you. I'm wondering do you guys like what is fair, yes or no? Let's raise your hand if you like what is fair. Raise your hand if you like what is fair. I thought maybe all of you would raise your hand, and I want to try to prove to you that you actually don't. You ready? This past week, the vicar and I went to do a hospital visit. We went to visit a a lady who is sick in the hospital, and we were leaving uh, about 5 o'clock, maybe 5 minutes to 5, and I was supposed to go pick up my son Thomas from soccer practice, and we were just a few minutes late. And so I was, you know, maybe driving just a little faster than I should. And I came to a stoplight and I was in the left turn lane and the cars were all going, we're all turning left, we're all turning left, and right as we're about to get there, the light turns yellow, and I'm like, I can make it. Turn left. The light turned red as I was going, and guess what happened? Lights and sirens went on. <gasps> I got pulled over because I pushed it a little bit. I went through the intersection. I probably shouldn't have. You think I wanted what was fair? What would be fair for the police officer to come up and say, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'd say, yes. And then he'd give me a ticket. Would that be fair? Why? Because I did what I wasn't supposed to do, right? I broke the law. Should I get a ticket? I should. Do I want what's fair? Sometimes police officers give mommies and daddies a warning when they do things they shouldn't do, right? Could could he have given me a warning? He could have. Would that have been fair to just give me a warning and let me go? Not really. He wasn't fair. Actually, he was fair. He gave me a ticket. But I didn't want what was fair. Now I want you to imagine I got a huge bowl of your favorite candy. Let's say it's M&M's. Maybe M&M's aren't your favorite candy. But I mean a huge bowl. Like one of those bowls that your mom uses to make cookies. A huge mixing bowl. And it is full to the top of M&M's. And I... Count them out and I give you five and I give you five and I give you five and I give every single one of you five, but there's still a whole lot of M&Ms in the bowl. Would it be fair if you all got the same amount? Yeah, I suppose. Do you want me to be fair? Or do you want me to let you take as many as you want? As many as you want, right? You don't actually like it when we're fair. You actually want me to not be fair. Today we're going to talk about something called generosity, Generosity is not fair. Generosity is never fair. And today we're gonna learn that we have a God who's very, very generous, super generous. He's so generous, he's not fair to us at all. Today we're gonna hear that Jesus was punished for our sins, is that fair? No, he didn't do anything wrong, but he was punished for our sins. And then we get treated like Jesus deserves to be treated. Jesus was the perfect son. He never made any mistakes. And now God says, I'm gonna treat you like perfect children who never make any mistakes. You get to come to heaven. That's not fair. But it's the best news in the world. To help you remember this today, I'm gonna be fair and give you all the same amount of apples as you leave. You guys can come up here and grab an apple. Everybody take one apple out of this bag. But when church is over, you get to go experience how generous I am and you get to go take as many apples out of the cooler in the fellowship hall as you want. And that goes for all y'all in the pews as well. Or maybe I should say you skies in the pew. You take as many apples home as you want today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for reminding us today that you are not fair. This is actually the best news in the whole world. We thank you for not being fair with us, for not treating us as our sins deserve, but for forgiving us every single sin. Help us to better appreciate your grace that you are not fair and help us to share that good news with others. In Jesus' name, amen. The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a little while this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about Five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our help, and our shield. Amen. So today we're going to focus on the reality that God is is generous, which also means God is not fair. And there's a part of you that doesn't like that. And I want to begin by just making sure that's real clear. Vicar and I had a a chance to go down to Mequon this past week for what they call the symposium. It's a, a conference of sorts for pastors in our church body held at our seminary every year. There's three pastors who are asked to write three pretty detailed long papers. We sit there, we listen to them, read their papers, and then we talk about it. And perhaps one of the most enjoyable parts of symposium is what happens at the end of the first day. They call them generous hors uh, d'oeuvres. It's not a secret that You're you're not going to be hungry when you're done. They are all um, bite-sized things, but there's so much. It's it's supper. You're going to be full when you're done. And there's all sorts of wonderful beverages as well, and everybody loves it, but we do pay for it. There is a registration fee, and the registration fee is just high enough to make sure that there is money to cover all the generous hors d'oeuvres and all the beverages that are enjoyed. So what happens when... There's that visitor to the symposium who didn't register. They just happened to be available. They didn't think they were coming. They come. They sit in on the papers. No harm, no foul, right? And then one of the professors says, hey, stick around for fellowship afterwards. There's plenty of food. Is that fair? They didn't pay? Should they be allowed to eat? There's just this little part inside of you that's like, "Eh." well, if I'm the person getting the free appetizers, it's fine. But if... If I'm the person who paid full price, then I'd rather that person paid too. There is this sense of justice in your heart. It's been there as long as you can remember, right? (laughs) Ever since you were a little kid dividing up the candy after trick-or-treating. Wanted to make sure it was all fair, everything was above table, there was no funny business going on. You're the the sibling who was always looking out for that that older sibling who was maybe not trading candy fairly and you were the first one to call them out on it. You like things to be fair. My goal for this morning is to convince you that you don't. You don't like things to be fair because when it comes down to it, when you learn what's actually fair, you want nothing to do with what's fair. This parable that Jesus teaches is super powerful and it reveals this in our hearts. I could just see you squirming as I was reading it. You don't like the idea of the people who were working for one hour getting the same as the people who worked for 12. You don't like that, admit it. Admit it. Can you imagine (laughs) the people who were hired first Standing and watching this happening, you could totally relate to what's going through their head, can't you? They did not go work for a denarius begrudgingly. I know the word denarius means nothing to you. This was a good day's wage. The owner of the vineyard goes out and he meets these guys 6 a.m. and they haggle. I got a vineyard that needs work. You need work. I got a bunch of denariuses, or denarii, denarii, vicar, I don't know. Plural denarius. I got a lot of them. I'll give you one at the end of the day. And they agree. This is fair. This is a fair wage. There is no thought in their mind that says we're getting fleeced here. No. They're happy to do it. And they work hard all day. But then these people start showing up three hours later, six hours later, nine hours later, 11 hours later. I mean, some of those people put in a good day's work, right? You get a good eight, nine hours, that's a good day's work. If this is a fair day's wage, maybe they're like, ah, 12 hours, eight hours, ah, he's a nice guy. Okay, maybe next time I'll work eight and get the, the better deal. When they watch those people who worked for an hour get it, they're thinking, huh, maybe I'll get a a little bonus here. And when they don't, they're frustrated. You can understand that, right? You can relate. But the owner of the vineyard has this incredibly powerful and I think pretty famous line that he gives at the end that's quite striking. I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I am generous. The context is helpful here. You might remember there's this account of a young man who's quite wealthy, who comes to Jesus and he says, Sir, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they talk about the law of God. Keep God's law, right? And he goes, I've kept all those since I was a boy. And Jesus points out to him that he thought he had, but he actually hadn't. Remember the first commandment? Remember it? You shall have how many other gods? None. You shall have no other gods, right? First commandment for a reason. This guy had forgotten the first one. He was an idolater. His stuff was what was most important to him. Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell all your stuff. Get rid of all your idols. Then come follow me. And the guy goes away sad. And then after that, Peter and the disciples, their mind is churning a little bit, wait a minute, you just told this guy that if he gives up everything he has and he follows you, he can come to heaven. We already did that. We already gave up everything we have. We, we walked away from our career. We walked away from our family. We walked away from everything we have and own. We are following you. So what exactly is this heaven thing again? What exactly did we walk away for? What are we getting? And Jesus answers with this parable. He's telling them, You get a denarius. You get everything. You get heaven. You get an eternity of bliss with me. You get paradise that never ends. You get what your heart longs for. First commandment's the first commandment for a reason because our heart is longing for good things. We are longing for comfort, but God says, I am the only source of goodness. I am the only source of comfort that actually satisfies what you really want, but you constantly believe the lie and you go after this false stuff, but I'm still promising you forgiveness and eternal satisfaction, eternal contentment That's what I'm promising you, Peter. But just so you know, I'm going to give it to everyone who believes in me. And that's where things get sticky for you. I don't know everybody in this room, but I know a lot of the people in this room, and I know a lot of the people in this room were brought to a font kind of like this one at a time that you don't remember. Raise your hand if you don't remember coming here. Just a quick show of hands. Raise your hand if you were brought here but you don't remember it. God made a lot of awesome promises to you there. As you were baptized into his family, he said, you are mine. You are my own dear child. I love you with a forever love that never ends. And you will be my child forever. But we all know people who weren't brought there when they were babies. Or maybe they were brought there when they were babies and they ran away. And they lived their life breaking the first commandment and a whole lot of other commandments too. And they kind of decided, you know what, I don't really care what God says. Um, God's not my authority. I'll pick and choose which laws I like and which ones I don't. And we'll just let the loudest voices who determine what's right and wrong be my right and wrong. And they live their whole life enjoying whatever they want, doing whatever they want. And then all of a sudden, late in life, they have this moment where the light bulb goes on and they remember, oh yeah, I'm going to die. I forgot about that. Maybe they have a close call. Maybe God slaps them upside the head with the proverbial two by four to wake them up near-death experience, and they realize how fragile this body is and how easily it can die. And they say, "Oh, oh, I better get right with God. And they think to themselves, better start doing stuff right. But then that loving brother or sister in Christ, that loving pastor says, ah, but that's not how it works. You can't do it right. Jesus did it right for you. Jesus lived under the law. He never once sinned. He never once broke the first commandment or the second commandment or any of the commandments. He died a death he didn't deserve. That was not fair. But he did it willingly because he loves you so much and he wants you to be with him. And at the age of 85 or 95, this person is humbled by God's law and they're healed by the good news of sins forgiven in Jesus, and that person gets a denarius too. And there's this little part of you that's like, "Mm." I've been giving up my Sunday mornings my whole life. I've been battling that sinful flesh and and not doing all the things that I wanted to do that everybody else was doing. Should be something for me in that, right? Right? For those of you who can't remember this, you need to remember what you actually deserve. You need to remember what's fair. I know that we don't like it when the preacher just hits us with hell. But you need to know and you need to come to grips with the fact that the only thing you are capable of earning is hell. That's it. You want to rely on yourself? You want to rely on your abilities? God says, fine. You want to reject my grace? You want to reject my generosity? You want to reject the suffering that my son endured for your sake? Fine. Stand on your own two feet and be judged. And you will earn hell. God's grace is not fair. And I'm here to remind you today, you love God's grace. You love that God is not fair because it means you will never experience the pains of hell because Jesus experienced them for you on the cross. He's alive. His resurrection proves that his sacrifice was accepted, that death is not the end and that you will enjoy paradise forever. You love that God is not fair. Now we're going to talk about the people who do remember this because they came here later in life. And I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But the opposite can be true. How do you think those people who worked for one hour felt? You think they felt like maybe they should come back the next day and work for free? Do you think they maybe felt indebted to the vineyard owner? Like, okay, now I got to do something. Thanks for the generosity, but now I got to make it up to you and I almost wish you hadn't been so generous. You ever feel that way when somebody's really generous to you? They do something completely uncalled for, completely unnecessary, just out of the goodness of their own heart and you now feel so indebted to them that you can't even enjoy what they gave you. You ever feel that way? Stop. 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 You can't earn this. I don't care what you did before you came to know Christ. I don't care what you did before you became a Christian. I don't care how long you wandered away before God in his infinite mercy and grace brought you back. Stop. You're forgiven. You're at peace with God. Jesus is for you too. He's generous. And it's the best news in the whole world. It's a sad reality that you and I live at a time when one of the greatest knocks on the Christian church is that we are judgmental. That we are hypocrites. And sadly, you know that's often true just like I do, it starts right here, starts in my own heart. I'm the one who's quick to look down on the sinners. I'm the one who's quick to talk a real good game, but not back it up. And you're just like me. It's good for you and I to realize that when people point the finger at us for being judgmental or being hypocritical, we probably haven't taken the lesson of this parable to heart. We don't get to go to heaven because we're so great. This is not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. This is where people broken and burdened by guilt come. We come here for peace. Yes, part of our job is to call sin, sin. Part of our job is to say what God says, but shame on us for the times that we've done so with an arrogant attitude. Shame on us for the times when we've done that with a holier than thou, I'm up here and you poor sinner are down here, now repent. For that we need to repent. For that, you and I are the ones who need to get down on our knees before the cross of God and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and then be confident in what he says. Because he does. He does have mercy on sinners like you and me. And it is our great privilege, our great honor, as people who know the love, the mercy, the grace of God, to lovingly speak the truth. To say, yeah, if you believe the lie that sexual revolution is somehow good, you got an idol. You're going somewhere else for goodness and comfort, and there's only one source of goodness and comfort the Lord, our help, and our shield. If you think it's cool to hate, if you somehow twistedly find goodness and comfort in your hatred, you got an idol. You got an idol. There's only one source of goodness and comfort. The God who is generous. The God who promises you what you actually want. Unending contentment, unending satisfaction, goodness and comfort and peace that will never end. Our God is generous. Turns out you actually don't like what is fair. And that's really good news. Amen? Amen. Amen.